Tacovas. Oh yeah, I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to. I don't know, ten years ago, she had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, "You, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs." So she went to Tacovas. Dot com and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to tecovas.com. These boots are Austin designed, Texas tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. And it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots. Performance, pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And point your toes west. Middle cough! Maybe eight. All right, Johnny Boy! Here we go. Feeling good on the tube. Another podcast coming out to you recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Admittedly, while we watch some golf, but a lot of football to talk about today on the show. Hello to everybody out there in podcast land. It's good to be with you again. Cheers. Cheers to everybody. What are you drinking there? A little iced tea? Arnold Palmer? Uh, Yeah, it's a uh, little, it's like a caffeinated, I mean, tea is naturally caffeinated, but it's like a little extra caffeinated tea. Kombucha? Uh, uh, No, not a kombucha. A uh, yerba mate. It's got a little uh, carbonation, a little caffeine, but it tastes like a sweet tea, basically. Yeah. Got you. I have to try that. Yeah, I've never, it's had, just, it's I've never even had kombucha. I, I, again, not a big kombucha guy. It's just this thing, the yerba mate, just a little more refreshing than like an afternoon coffee sometimes, you know? Yeah. Are you, are you a big bubbly water guy? Yeah. 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 I'm not, I, I hate bubbly water, but. A lot, I know a lot of bubbly water people. If, if it's flavor, it's like a lemon lime or something. What's what's the the go to cans that every all the Lacroix? Right now? Yeah, yeah. You like that? Uh, no, nah, I'm not a big Lacroix. I don't have any Lacroix. The other one everyone's like everyone likes is the uh, Tapo Tapo Chico or whatever it's called. The bottles yeah, bottles of bubbly water. What's the green bottle? The Pellegrinos. Pellegrino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they come when they come to your table at the restaurant, you go. Yeah, I'm always I just like still it tap still. Bubbly? You know, I was like, well, how much? I don't want the whole bottle. Like, it was like $8 for the bottle? <laughs> Always gave me when I was younger a lot of anxiety at a nice restaurant when they would ask that question. It's like, well, I mean, I want tap, but I don't want to say tap, but yeah. tap. Then you realize no one gives a shit. Yeah, they don't care. Uh, all right. How's your DraftKings team doing uh, on a Thursday? You know, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. I got Phil, lefty. I got Bryson. And then I, I mean, Phenel sucks. I, I, I did put an extra $100 into my, my bookie account last night because I had heard this week that this is Harold Varnell's home course and like, get ready. Someone told me, I was listening to this podcast, golf podcast. They're like, he's never played better. I'm like, you know, I'll sprinkle a little. This is good nugget. And I looked today. It was like four over after 12 holes. I'm like, this is so stupid. None of this shit matters. We act, this isn't pros. This isn't like football. They aren't home games. Like it's, it doesn't fucking matter at all. There's such a waste of a hundred dollars. I think so much of like, I think a lot of times we look back at stuff and go, Oh, that was obvious. Of course. Like if Harold Varnold had, had played well here, we'd look back and go, duh, of course he did. Yeah. But it might've just been that he played well. 
Harold yeah. Var Harold Varner's never played poorly on his home course. I'm sure had a bad round. Yeah, could it be added pressure? Right? Yeah, could be whatever. There. They're all or watching just, you. Maybe he's, I don't know. Maybe he's got a tight abductor or something. Do you I don't remember know. like three or four years ago? The uh, they took they they took the British Open to like a special course overseas that they had never played before, and it was where Rory grew up playing. Yeah, and it was like this is the most pressure ever. And his opening round was like eighty. That's <laughs> right. Was like home, and he hit it out of bounds. Was that the first hole? Was that the one Lowry won? Yeah, and then the next round, Rory shot like sixty-five because he had nothing to lose and still missed the cut. But it was like that first round was devastating. Yeah, like there could be a lot of pressure when. I mean, hell, anyone that just played normal golf is just a couple people watching you don't know. You're like, hey, man, can you just turn around? Don't watch me here. <laughs> you know, fuck, leave me alone. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, all right, John. Uh, podcast brought to you by American-Giant.com. Promo code HAM, by the way, 15% off. Holla at your boys there uh, for first-time users. Uh, we appreciate that. NetSuite.com slash HAM. Go check out NetSuite.com slash HAM. Also, mailbag coming Friday. We'll do a mailbag on uh, for the week. I shouldn't say Friday. The weekend. It'll be a YouTube stream. It'll be the weekend pod. Something fresh for Saturday morning. Get your reviews in on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. In that review, leave a question. Any question you want, like uh, uh, who's going to sign Albert Pujols? You know, John will have a full breakdown on his five top Albert Pujols destinations if someone wanted to ask that question. So, you know, whatever. If we had a race, me, you, Albert Pujols, 100-yard dash, who wins? I mean, Albert can't hasn't been able to run in how long? A long time. He runs like when you get a cramp on the in, on like your on the arch of your foot. I mean, it's he just He runs on his heels. I've watched him run last night. It was just it's it's uncomfortable to watch. It is. It's you think it's, it's uncomfortable uncom- to watch. Imagine paying for it. 250 large. Woo. 250 large. Disaster got cut. Now, last year, the deal. Buyout. Cut. Not buyout, just cut, and we're going to pay him the rest of his money. (laughs) Yeah, cut. Albert, would you agree to a buyout? Yes, you can pay me all my money, and I'll leave. Thank you. Yeah, I guess buyout, like, there's there's no negotiation there. He shows up to work. It's like, hey, you're gone. You're fired. I I do wonder, like, if it wasn't for that contract, would he have quit a long time ago? Because it's looked uncomfortable for a long time. At minimum five years, it's looked uncomfortable. (laughs) Man. Yeah, it was it was a it was one of those like year three into year ten. It was a disaster. You know, sometimes you get to like year six and ten, you're like, oh, you know, whatever. Got a little Gruden feel. It was it was like, whoa, this isn't going well. You, Raider Raider. No, I mean the Gruden deal has fucking been a disaster. We're going not even to year four yet. I forgot about the Martavis Bryant third round pick trade the other day until I saw him make a catch in the uh, in in inside football league, whatever the IFL is. I'm going to call it the Inside Football League. That's what it should be called. Um, I think they call it indoor, but third-round pick, John. What was the pick? The, the extra pick, Rosen. remember, that they got for Rosen. And even at the time, we were like, how did you only get a third-round pick from going 15 to 10 when you knew it sounds crazy saying this, their franchise quarterback, because they cut him a year later or traded him a year later. But at the time, like, if you're going to take a guy number 10 overall, you're pretty bullish on the player. I would have thought, like, third and a fourth, <laughs> right? Bizarre deal. Nobody won. So I guess they've traded back one time. I, I give them a lot of shit for that was their first draft. They traded back. That was that was Reggie, not Mike. That was Reggie. Remember. That's right. Yep. I mean, don't sleep on Reggie. All right. Um, 
You ready to dive in to a few things? Yes. Any, any, any other announcements we have here? I don't really have much. Okay. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers watching. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was going to, we should mention that. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, happy to, Mother's to Day. My, my mom. Who's out my there, mom, too. Discovered the YouTube the other day. She told me. Nobody told me about your YouTube. <laughs> my mom has she been said watching to me on the phone the other day. My mom watches a ton of YouTube now because of like us. We just talk about YouTube yeah. a lot. Yeah. And it'll just other things get suggested to her. You mean, or yeah? So she'll just be like, "Oh, I just watched this in-depth thing on so and so." I'm like, "Where on TV? No, on YouTube." Because she has, you know, an iPad that's like the size of an extra monitor. It's massive. We got it for Christmas a couple years ago, and you just sit there and just watch different stuff. Just I'm like, "Yeah, mom, YouTube is kind of a big deal." It is a big deal. Uh, It is definitely a big deal. For those of you who are listening to the pod, go check out our YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We appreciate that. If you're watching the live stream on YouTube, like this video. And uh, if you're on the YouTube and you haven't checked out the podcast, that's always in the description. You can go check out the podcast. We we appreciate uh, we appreciate all that. All right, Middlecoff, let's start with um, our buddy. Let's go out to Matt Mayoko. Yeah, like the old days who uh, talked to uh, Jed York. And, uh, you know, there's a, a, a several quotes from Jed that that have been going around from their conversation. Um, and uh, you can check out Matt's podcast and. Uh, for that, but they're all in the same vein. And so here's what he said on 49ers talk with, uh, with Mayoko. We've talked about this internally. If we're in a situation where Jimmy goes out and takes us to the Super Bowl, and again, uh, again, and has an MVP caliber season and does it again, there are worse dilemmas to be in. And Jimmy certainly has the ability to do that. In other words, what I think the other thing he said that got a lot of attention was basically, hey, if Trey Lance has to sit for two years because Jimmy's playing really well, you know, we're open to that possibility forcing itself upon us. Okay, let's rewind to the uh, to the first comment before we get into the could he sit or not. The first comment when he just throws in the word MVP type season, I think we have to go back to when they made the Super Bowl and it was an incredible season. Uh, they dominated their two playoff games. They walked into the, to the Super Bowl. I mean, once they got to the playoffs, it was hard getting that number one seed. But once they arrived at the number one seed, it, they didn't sweat much, those two games. Really, they, there was a brief moment in the Vikings game where Diggs scored a touchdown. You're like, I don't know how they're going to cover that guy. And Jimmy threw a bad pick to Kendricks. But other than that, the rest of that game, brief moment bath, at the, Yeah, sorry. And the, and, the, and the Packers game, ass-kicking. Jimmy was not only not an MVP, he wasn't even close to a pro bowler that year. <laughs> I mean, he was he had moments during the season that were exceptional. His game against the Saints, awesome. His game against the Rams. And to me, probably his best game, given the pressure and what was on the line. And I think any 49er fan or just, it's been a huge rivalry, you know, with the Harbaugh P. Carroll days. That San Francisco-Seattle game was big. I, I'll never forget, because we were waiting to do a podcast, obviously, after the game. On the couch, in the other room, pacing, thinking they're going to lose. Right? I was like, they are going to lose. Seattle's driving the field, and they ended up making the Dan Bunn stop at the goal line, but Jimmy was, if I remember, I re, it's crazy. I don't I love remember. I you called like, the Dan Bunn stop. You'd never heard of Dan Bunn's until that play. <laughs> well, I, I, cause I can't, I'm trying to think of what, who Dre was Greenlaw? the linebacker that made the time. Yeah. Dre Greenlaw. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I, I don't remember what I had for dinner three nights ago, but Jimmy went 18 for 22 in that game. Like, it's crazy. The things, the way my mind works, like I can, he went 18 for 22 in a must win game at Seattle when they had beat him earlier. But my point is like, they went to the Super Bowl when their quarterback was, as a whole, for the entire season, slightly above average, 
right? Which uh, in the NFL, yeah, that's really that good in like some 13, key games. 14, 15, yeah. Right? Like the New Orleans game was incredible in that game. Home field. But it was like, bad in other games where the, where the for sure. team carried them. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you're right. I, I think to your point, that year, there was a point that year, I think, when I said I thought he would, he, Jimmy was better than Deshaun. And it might have been wrong at the time. People disagreed with it at the time. Certainly now, in hindsight, it was very wrong. Uh, but I think part of what happened, and I'm not trying to, I'm not backtracking it. I, part of what happened was Deshaun has continued to get better. Jimmy did not take another step early last year, partly be, because of injury, obviously. But he, before he got hurt, did not look like he was about to take a step. So for Jimmy Garoppolo to put himself in, in that position, that means that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, at age 27, 27, 29, 30 oh, in so, November. Oh, I meant he was 27 in the good sorry. niner year, two years. Would ago. Have, That's what I was that means that Jimmy this year will take another step, right? What does Kyle Shanahan say all the time? Well, really, when you look at it, he's only played one full season. <laughs> True. But he's been in the league since 2014. So is he about to be better? At this point, I don't think anyone's expecting that. Now, if he's healthy, can he be really good? Can he be solid enough for them? Can he be better than Trey Lance early? Yes, all those things are true. But like to me, there's a scenario where this team has a really good year. Jimmy's really solid, and they still like, like the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes year, and they still want to replace him. Like I think, yes. right? So yeah. say that there. Like I, th- I think if you, I think if you had the same year that he had in 2019. They probably wouldn't win as many games just because their team's not as good. But they would still win 10 or 11, but they probably wouldn't be 14 and 3, whatever, in 17 games. That they would still look to replace them. The same exact season the team had. Which, to me, that's best case, Jimmy. Like, I, I don't think you can ask for anything more than that, what he gave you. Right? I, I think he threw, what, 13 14. picks? He's just... But inter- like he's never going to be one of those times you look up, you're like, oh, Jimmy's four-pick season. Like that, that ain't his deal. Well, and again, you're probably not going to have that good of a complete team around him, right, defensively in particular. Um, maybe you can actually be better on offense, but that's a, we'll get to that later. But defensively, you're just not – you're going to need more from your quarterback. And, John, they went to the Super Bowl. He had that year, and they still considered Tom Brady after that season. Well, to me, the thing is – is if Jimmy were to have a great year this season, and again, great for him was just 2019, that means his value is somewhat back and you have to move him. Like part of the reason the Chiefs moved Alex, he was coming off his best season ever. They kind of sold high. I think they got a second round pick for him. And remember Washington paid him, but like you couldn't risk. The Niners are okay. I think big picture if Jimmy's just average and Trey kind of comes in at a point unknown in the season and just takes over like some quarterbacks do. Baker did it. Deshaun Watson did it. Jared Goff did it. Like, not everyone starts week one. Some guys start week five, six, seven, eight, whatever, right? Depending if the starter's shitty. Then his value was basically just getting you through some rough times, but you're ultimately going to cut him at the end of the season because no one's trading for a guy making $20 million next year, right? He's getting cut. Like, that, to me, that is the most realistic option right now is more than, if I had to bet, does he end up getting cut after this year or traded? I would lean cut just based on previous history. He gets injured a lot. His plays up and down. Now, if he plays well, 17 games w- would be an outlier situation for him. It's happened one year of his hell, the four years or the four games he filled in for Brady, he got hurt in the second one. So you would just assume he's going to get injured. Then being able to trade him for an asset to me would be on the unlikely side. He had a little bit of juice this year. 
which I, I think was pretty clear teams were not going to give the Niners anywhere near. Now, they had a position of quote-unquote leverage, but if you if I told you the best offer they received for serious teams was like a fourth-rounder, would you believe that? This past year? Yeah. Fourth? Fifth? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they got offered a fourth-round pick. Yeah, would you offer either. a fourth? For a guy that's injured, $20 million? I mean, that's I wouldn't if I was a GM. I get why they asked it, because as you, they are now, they were cool with keeping him. He's but, more valuable to them than he is to other people. They've already invested in him, so he's more valuable to them than he is to somebody else. But if he can't have the season that he had in 19, his value around the league goes up a little bit. Because he, when he started 16 games, he was yeah. better than half the league. Yeah, I right? mean, if, if and maybe this is not a fair comparison, if Jordan Love was, if they looked at him the way they looked at Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, then... It would be an easy decision for the Packers if they thought Jordan Love was about ready to become a true franchise starting quarterback, right? Part of this is if Trey Lance is ready to roll, even after Jimmy Garoppolo has a great year, what's his great? Like, Aaron Rodgers' great was MVP, right? That's not, we have not seen anything near that level here from Garoppolo, even though he's clearly, when he's good, is a beyond, he's an above, he's a, Top 18 NFL starter? Top yeah. 15 NFL and, starter? And, and like you said, the Niners value, or I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's value to the Niners, they've been around him now for four years. Like, in defense of the Packers, if LaFleur and, and uh, Jerry Krause told you right now that uh, A.K.A. Gudikins was like, honestly, guy, we liked him coming out. We don't really have any clue what we have, right? We just had this kind of abbreviated season. We were trying to be an elite team. We just had to roll. We don't even know. The Niners go, we know what we have in Jimmy when he plays. Like, they do know, right? They're yeah. comfortable. They've seen him every day for however many years. Yeah. You just, and, he, and he's played a decent amount, right? He's a flawed player. But, his, like, his his play, I think sometimes, like, Jed, like, could he win an MVP? I don't even know. I mean, I, I, I get what Jed's trying to say. I just think sometimes, and I, I think Jimmy's a great example, once you're, like, 30 years old and you've had – I, I don't know, three elite coaches, Bill and Josh. And Josh, I don't know if he's a good head coach, but we know he's a great offensive coordinator. And Kyle is is a great offensive coordinator. Like, it doesn't get his coaching for eight years, because sometimes you get, like, when Steve Young came to Walsh, it's like, you know, the USFL and the Bucks, it was a disaster. Well, this guy, the coaching doesn't get any – it's not like, you know, he's, he's had Freddie Kitchens, Singletary, and uh, Shermer. You know, or just village idiots. That's that has not been the case, right? Like the chances and that, talent around them, big time talent around. I would bet against uh, a Rich Gannon Renaissance from like thirty two to thirty six. Like you know, he really figured it out when he was thirty three. Because what would Rich tell you? I got in the right spot. I had a coach that believed in me. I had Young Gruden and Al, and we had a good team. Right. Jimmy's like had all these opportunities. Yeah. Right now, maybe Jimmy would say, let's just hypothetically say he goes somewhere else. I. I would bet against this, but it is possible from like 31 to 34. He just has a three or four year stretch where he never gets hurt. And like, he's the Washington football team's quarterback or he's the Carolina Panthers or whoever, you know, put him on team X and he has three really, you just go, Jimmy Garoppolo's solid. But that to me is possible. But like Jimmy's never making a pro bowl. I would bet against that. Well, yeah, I think even he would though, need to be Even on, though he could, in the perfect spot, if he stayed healthy, could, like, compete on the fringe of a Pro Bowl. But, but I think 2019 was the perfect. Like, that was that was almost as... 
Uh, it's not as good he as it gets. He was 27 and been in the league for six years. Yeah, it was a really good. It was a really good situation with Kyle with that defense. Now, part of it was there were a lot of games where you didn't have to do a ton more, right? They were running the ball at a very high level. They were number one or number two in the league in defense, depending on when in the but season. He, but I think is, hasn't he kind of proven? Like you eventually got to just say, and I know you do, but he is what he is. And this is where I think the other teams would be like, well, Kyle, my team's not as good as yours. I'm going to need a guy to have like a month where he's throwing it 45 times a game. And I don't think he can do that. Yeah. And the coach would, or GM would be right. Like yeah. that, He doesn't have that in the bag. Right. Right. I don't think so. Because I think his fatal flaw, and this is what ultimately is why Jimmy just would have capped the Niners a little big picture. I just think he is going to turn the ball over. Right. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that's just probably going to throw some Sometimes picks. because of arm, sometimes because of decision making. Yeah, I, I think one thing we've seen as time has gone on a little is... Bit, I'd, I'd call him a little bit of a reckless player. Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing we've seen as time has gone on, right, is he's not a flawless decision maker, right? And I guess no one's flawless, but for somebody who's not plus plus arm, plus plus athleticism, sometimes he needs to make better decisions. I think Derek Carr is a good example of a guy I think was kind of there at a similar point, you know, three or four years ago. And he just went to the point where you can call him a little too conservative at times, but you feel pretty good about like that game he had against Atlanta or whatever, where he tur- like his big turnover games now feel more like outliers than, you know. I'll tell you this, John, I, I want to get back to Jed here, but if the Packers traded Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders, I'd be pretty bullish on Derek Carr's season for 2021. If he were the Packers quarterback. Yeah. That team's good. That offense, that coach. One, one, one thing in sports, and I, I think Twitter is a good example of this, like, this didn't age well. Well, if I said it yesterday, I get it. But if you're pulling something that I said two years ago, we're talking about players, and they either get worse or they get better. So, like, you can have an opinion. Like, two years ago, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo than Derek Carr. Two years later, I wouldn't even hesitate to take Derek Carr. Like, things change. And I think everyone, and you saw, the Niners changed. They pivoted. They're like, yeah, we can't do this anymore. You get more information. Players, you have to look at them like stocks. They're either going up or they're going down. You know, the famous saying in the league is like, nobody stays the same. You, you only got two options. You get better or you get worse. There, there is no middle ground. And I think the first time you hear something like that, you're like, that's kind of cheesy. The more and more you watch sports, like especially you and I do it for a living and have for a long period of time, but like really focus on like specific individuals, it really is true. You know? And I think older players get to a point where they've always gotten better and then they just, their body gives out. But certain players, like they just get to a point where they just, for whatever reason, I don't know, because it's hard as shit, can't get any better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just, their flaws are their flaws. Physical, and, and, and sometimes it's not flaws; it's just limit physical limitations, injuries, circumstance, situation, whatever. Um, as it relates to Jed, look, Jed does not talk a lot. Uh, he did his his uh, draft day tweeting. Um, this is uh, owners talk from time to time. He does not talk much, particularly the last few years. To me, this is not an unreasonable. This is a take the pressure off the young guy. If you're going to talk, you're going to get asked about this. And if you're going to answer the question, it's a it's a perfectly reasonable answer to give. Uh, if I, if Trey Lance is not the starting quarterback for two more years, then I, I would I would be stunned. the The possibility for that to happen 
it, to me would be far more about Trey Lance than it is about Jimmy Gar- about him not becoming what they think he can become than it is about Jimmy Garoppolo becoming you know a superstar quarterback in the NFL and then you'd have a separate problem on your hand my educated guess is when they went through the different scenarios when not only when they made the trade but when they were telling Jed and they decided on Trey whether they got on a whiteboard whether they're sitting there at a conference table they just have three or four different options right Hell, maybe he just gets to training camp and this guy's so good he starts day one. Jimmy gets hurt and he's thrust in a random week. Best case, you know, he's not ready and Jimmy's healthy and playing well. We're in no rush. We have him under contract for two more years. I, I just think Jed's probably reiterating what his, you know, his general manager and head coach, just kind of the way he explained the like it's Absolutely. I think it's pretty he easily could have said, you know, if, if Jimmy goes down like he often does, Trey's got to be ready. But he wouldn't say that because that's a polarizing topic. Do you think they and had it's not that the conversation? Place the owner to say that. But don't you think they had that conversation? Like we got to get him ready because if he's yeah, like backup, what happens Jimmy if Jimmy gets hurt week one? Is Trey going to be ready to try and win games? And it's just yeah, when you're the owner, you get to ask questions like a fan too. Like guys, how so you like him, but how good do you really think he is? That's what I would ask. Like yeah. Kyle, how good do you think he really is? Like could he play right now? Do you think he'd be a meddler as an owner? Yeah. Hell yes. I I'd be the, I wouldn't meddle at all. Oh, I, I would I be think Jeffrey football. Lurie on steroids. <laughs> Absolutely. Would, all right, I've been watching would, some tape, guys. <laughs> I watched some YouTube cut-ups. It's only highlights, but I'm pretty sure we want to take this guy in the first round. I've never watched less tape since I've gotten into this business. <laughs> I would watch dramatically less than I already did. I, be, I would be in. I'd be in Cabo. I'd be. I'd be everywhere. I'm being a little sarcastic, but uh, yeah, like I'd be in the draft room. Like that would be the fun of it. Well, yeah, I'd be you in know? the draft room, and I would say, like, Coach, what do you think about this guy? Huh? It's a pretty good player. And he'd say, No, I don't like this guy. And then after like three years of understanding what he thinks, then I'd start having opinions. Yeah. Well, you'd go to a draft. I'd be meeting like David Sampson. I'd have my own YouTube channel. Like I was just in the draft room, and here's what Kyle and I disagree on. You'd go to a draft meeting, and by the time like they got to the third round, you'd be asleep in the back. Oh. You'd be like this is boring. <laughs> third round. Third round. I'm just talking when they're going through the, the second round. I'd be like, so we like uh, we like the running back from Ohio State. And they're like, no, actually, we like the guard from Western Michigan. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to watch an hour of his tape now. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you guys later. You guys want me to pick you up any sandwiches? I'll have them delivered because I'm super rich. Yeah, I'm going to go to the – I'm going to go – I just saw Jimmy. I'm going to go see what he's up to. I'm going to go check in on the quarterbacks. <laughs> I'm going to go to the spa down in the building I own, this one. I'm going to go to the golf course. Everyone there is going to ask me what's going on in the draft room. I just want to have some answers for those guys. I want to have some insight, <laughs> some takes. I want to let them know, like, oh, we got some red flags on that guy. I don't know. I'd be careful. <laughs> be a good time. I know that. It'd be a good time. All right, John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about American-Giant.com. Use the promo code HAM. You're a first-time buyer at American-Giant.com for your classic zip hoodie, the flagship American-made, the cotton's American-made, the zippers are American-made. From beginning to end, from out of thin air to finished product on your body, it's American-made, and it's very high quality. Lasts for ages and ages and years and years. The T-shirts, we got them, uh, men, women, whatever. Uh, whatever you're looking for, American-Giant.com. Promo code HAM. Yep, American-Giant.com. Promo code HAM. 15% off for first-time users. I have T-shirts. You have T-shirts. We both have the hoodies. Can't recommend them enough. The hoodies are thick. They're going to last long. They're American-made. We're big on America. The red, white, and blue. 50 states. Been here my whole life. Can't. Most of Listen, most of our companies... 
you know, hell, we, we, we got into the merchandise business. We went overseas. <laughs> you know, not American-Giant.com. That's, that's not what they do, guy. They keep it in America. It goes North Carolina. They keep it in the American workforce. Come on and raise up. For you. America. American-Giant.com. Uh, Promo code ham. Shake it like a helicopter. Uh, we have the product. A lot of people. I just got a DM from uh, actually a guy named John who just bought a three-pack of T-shirts. It's great stuff. Um, like John said, the American uh, Giant Classic Full Zip Hoodie. I know you got some sweatpants, too. Promo code ham. And, uh, you know, send us a tag us on Instagram or DM us your order. We always appreciate uh, knowing that you're supporting. So thank you. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham, and you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code ham50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over, but hoop season is getting hot. Tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks. America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, not feeling great about Shohei less than 38.5 right now, but I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's Download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. I saw a funny meme yesterday. It went something like uh, someone went up to Ricky Henderson and asked him what he thought of John 316. He said, I, I don't know John, but if he's hitting 316, Ricky's hitting 330, yeah, yeah. so he ain't as good a player as me. <laughs> that was a good line. He says the story about John Olerud's not true. What was the story? Well, that he got to, he's, he's a hat. Yeah, like you know, Olerud wore a, John Olerud was a first baseman who always wore a helmet. And Ricky gets to first base and he's like, hey, man, I, I, I used to play with a guy who wore a helmet on the field. And John Older was like, yeah, that was me. I've, but the story is too good to not, to not tell. Wasn't there another story on Ricky that he had a million dollar check in his, uh, in his locker or something like that? Am I thinking that correctly? Uh, you ever heard that one? Uh, you know, it doesn't sound familiar. I, I know I'd heard. Or, no, what, what, he did, what he did was he framed the million dollar check. Oh. Like, Ricky, that's, your, that's like your money. It's real money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't cash it. I remember hearing yeah. you, when I was doing minor league baseball from a guy who was a scout for the Cleveland Indians who used to tell me stories about young Manny Ramirez. One time, Manny flipped the keys to like the clubby to go get his car washed, 
and uh, or maybe didn't flip. Maybe told the guy the keys are in the glove box, and the guy opens the glove box and just game checks come pouring out. Like he would just throw his game check. Didn't have. It wasn't cashing game checks. Yeah. Um, a lot of money. Manny, Manny made a lot of cash. Manny, Manny, I fucking I loved Manny Ramirez. Is he still playing? Manny like, can, is he still playing? Manny could hit. Manny could hit. We just need Manny Ramirez's kid on the Blue Jays because they got like every guy I grew up on's kid. I know. Kevin Biggio. That's a fun team to watch. Anyway. All right. Um, Aaron Rodgers, John. I mean, we follow this story every day. Uh, every day it feels like there there is a former another former teammate of Aaron's who's just like eh, doing a radio interview. Or a current teammate of Aaron's that's doing a radio interview. Um his teammates clearly He's had a lot he's had a lot of prominent teammates that are just even random guys like AJ Hawks, Arnold John McAfee. Coon, John Coon did an interview, right? That's yeah, I mean, uh, what's his name? Jones from San Jose State. Uh, what's the I former Raider? Jerry Jones. Uh, Jason Jones. Uh, no, what the fuck's his name? I can picture his face. I, I know. Well, he's. I, I mean, you, you know who I'm talking about. I do. Uh, I he, the comments will cut, catch us up in Jason a second. Jones. No, Jimmy Jones. Not Chandler. James. Chandler Jones. James Jones. James Jones. You know yeah. he's on NFL Network. Randall Cobb feels like he's always around. Yeah. People like Jordy Nelson. He's got very just likable. Like he had a pretty good run of I don't know, just people that like everyone in the league likes players and people. He's had a pretty good guy. He's had a pretty good. So the latest for Aaron Rodgers is that he still hates everybody and he looks at uh, <laughs> the GM like he's Jerry Krause, which is not a compliment. And I was saying this to somebody the other day, and you know, as someone who has worked for a boss that you don't like, like there's just you don't believe in. There's a point in time where it doesn't matter what they say to you, they can't win you back. And you know, what you know when they call you five years after you're done working for them, like you want to do business anymore? You know, you pick up the phone calls. <laughs> some people do, some people don't. John, it's a personal decision. <laughs> but uh, with Aaron, like you and I were talking, what if Gudikins calls him? It's like, hey, let's mend these fences. <clears throat> he looks at him like Jerry Krause. Then he's not into mending fences. And if that's the case, he'd probably rather not play for him than uh, rather not play for anybody than play for him. One way or the other, this is good news for I, probably ultimately the NFC and good news for the 49ers, the way this is Do going. Do you think it's – I mean, it's it's so hard to tell because it really has only been on the forefront now for less than a week. It's a week. About a week. Yeah. yeah, a week. It's the one-week anniversary on Thursday. Do you feel like – do you envision him in a Packer as a quarterback this year? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing that's hard about it. I don't. It's hard to take. I take this story seriously because it's there's clearly enough smoke where the fire's burning. He hates these people. Yeah, and with hindsight, we see like all the stuff that was smoke right after the season ended, the week before their last playoff game, that was kind of downplayed when he went on with McAfee. All that stuff was real too, but. Didn't he say it after they lost to Tampa? Like, I don't even know. Like, he kind of hinted at it the moment they lost. You know, I think the beautiful... Was the beautiful mystery thing... Was that not before that game? Or was that mm, after that I, game? I, I, thought, I thought he... I thought that was after when he talked with Pat. I thought that after the Bucks game... It like he threw a curveball and people were like, damn, he's still talking well, like the that? Be- it was weird. Yeah, the beautiful mystery thing was just like on a press conference Zoom. Yeah, that, that could have been just a regular late season game, playoff game. I think that was before the Bucks game, I think. You're probably but right. it was around the last couple. And then he said after the game, they didn't, you know, the the decision to kick the field goal, all that stuff. There was criticism there. And then, So, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it's hard for me to not picture him on the Packers. But it's clearly a real enough story that if he's back on the Packers, like, 
I don't think this is just about getting the most money out of the Packers. If this was just about contract negotiation, would you be gaslighting your own GM like this? No, I, I think he is. Somebody said it was post-game that. Uh, it, it, it does feel a little post-game. bit like it's got a legitimate chance to not happen. Like, when I say not happen, like him to never play a Packer game again. Like, he can make it so ugly if he doesn't show up because the Packers brass has enough I would say the outside understanding to go like, listen, guys, this guy's never going to show back up. Like Khalil Mack's thing was he was holding out for more money. You traded him not because he was never going to show up because you were never going to pay him the $90 million. It was just that simple. Right. He knew his worth. He, whether you didn't have the money, whether you didn't want to pay him, regardless, if you would have paid him the $90 million, he would have been a Raider. So I'm with you, but I do know this. And I, I I don't even know why I did it. I was born. I had a couple edibles, Start arguing with people on Twitter. Like, Aaron's had it pretty good in Green Bay. When yes. you look at historically, like, he's... They do everything to win anything Brady needed. No, they actually didn't. Brady's best wide receiver in his championship years... You could argue his best wide receiver is either Troy Brown or Julian Edelman. He never won. People are like, what about Randy Moss? And then win a championship. Aaron's had a great offensive lines, star wide receivers. They never drafted one in the first round. Well, yeah, they were just hitting second and third round pick fucking great. Yeah, Bill did, runs. and he missed on all of them. But I'm saying I'm saying the Packers. No, no, I know. No, Jordy, Devontae, uh, Randall Cobb. Like, these guys were great players they drafted in the second and third round. That if he does leave the NFC, because I don't think the Packers could trade him in the NFC, because they would be able to get enough or equivalent draft compensation from AFC teams, it is a massive win like uh, the powerhouse, even if Derek Carr were to get traded there, I would view them as a wild card team more than some like 13, 14, 15 win powerhouse. The Bucks had to go there and win. I would say Seattle, San Francisco, and LA would all be like, okay, this thing's opened up. And the NFC East doesn't really have a powerhouse team. Like to me, if he's on the team and he's in good spirits, you could argue like them and Tampa are just legit. The, the, it's between those two teams. And now one of the teams, whoever the best team out of the NFC West could make hay with those two teams. But I think those would be the clear favorites, right? Coming yeah. into the season. Yeah. Like they're bringing everyone. They re-signed Aaron Jones. They, they're just, they're good. I mean, what, they, they just went through. They hosted the NFC. Tom had to beat them there. Now you could say that Tampa won't be a wild card this year, right? Drew Brees is gone. They'll win that division. Maybe they're the one seed. That's believable. But if, if Aaron was happy, I'd be like, it wouldn't shock me again if you had to go through Green Bay. Well, And that goes for the Niners, too. The one time the Niners had struggled beating them, they beat them easily with Kyle. They beat them easy the one time they came out to the candlestick when Colin ran all over them. The second year, remember, when they went there in the freezing cold, if, was it Sam Shields or whoever the corner was, if he catches the ball, the Niners lose that game. It's hard to win there. It's hard to right? win there, John. Even if you're the one seed, it's hard They First of all, Matt LaFleur is like a college coach right now. He's 26 and 6. Like, that's. With a playoff. In win. terms of first two years in the NFL, like 26 and 6 is pretty crazy. I think McVeigh had a similar start. Uh, but, uh, I mean, that's like, these are. But even if they're not 13 and 3, I think. Kyle one, was like, Kyle was like 6 and 25. What was Harbaugh's <laughs> first two? I mean, had well, to be I mean, 14 12, and 13. Yeah, yeah. high. So. Last year's thirteen and three Packers team was different than the thirteen and three Packers team the, that they the Niners beat the year before, and you and I talked about that in twenty nineteen that we'd watch the Packers. They did not really look like a thirteen and three team to us. We'd been watching them all year, 
and you and I talked about it all last year that the Packers looked at they looked much better than the years before version. That was a different team last year. And I think you told me you were reading Bob McGinn. They think around that organization that they they can be like last year's team or better than last year's team again this year. And I thought last year's team was like I, I think as they say in uh the movie uh 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 Anchorman, the tits. Like they were the tits. They were really good. I think most people thought, especially once Kansas City's tackles went down, when it got to the final four, I, I did. But I think it was kind of consensus that it was Packers felt like the team to beat of the four, right? Like once we got to the final four, it was like Rodgers in the peak of his powers. They got to win a game in Lambeau. Go, I, I picked them to win it all. And they didn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I think Aaron's them. comeback is like a huge reason of our dominance is me. And he's not wrong, but it's like, well, yeah, Aaron, that's the sport. But, but, but uh, obviously, but it's like, yeah, dude, yes, but we're paying you a lot of money. Thank God you're worth it. You elevate the players around you. We also have to make this – got to make the defense okay, better. we got to spend okay, money in other places. Well, here, here, here's the thing, guy. I think it behooves Tampa, the Niners, Seattle, L.A., the Bears, Minnesota, to – I would be leaking fake shit. I would make this. I would like it. it the league, especially the NFC, want who else, the Broncos, the Raiders, any team that wants to trade for them. There are going to be a lot of people circling to try to fuck the Packers now. And this is where I do think we we did a video yesterday about them. You know, the Niners. They, who knows? Maybe they're going to turn them in. See if they can penalize them. The Packers kind of have their back against the wall, and everyone's circling. Rodgers, all the other teams, obviously all the NFC teams want this thing to end. It's kind of them against the league. I mean, the teams that matter, right? The two teams that want to trade for them, and then all the sweet NFC teams and the teams in their division want this thing to get worse. Right. That, that is kind of a shitty position to be in. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Bears... Unless, unless, like you said, you did... I saw Schefter say today, he claimed that his tweet, when he's... Because he, he really kind of... The dude from Minnesota did something, no one really believed him, and then Schefter yeah. said, tangible stuff there... It did not come from Rogers' camp that it had been an accumulation of things. And I think that's fair. Like, over a couple years, if he's calling him Jerry Krause, there might be things to Aaron, whether it's with Murphy, whether it's Gudikins. It doesn't feel like it's with LaFleur as much. Like, they've kind of on the same page. Uh, Unless you read something. Well, I think Tyler Dunn said something. Tyler Dunn's supposed to have a piece out Friday about Jordan Love, which, you know, we'll see. How good is Jordan Love? But he, I think he wrote, somebody wrote, like, the relationship with LaFleur is not bad, but it's also just, it's not great. It just kind of is, you know? So yeah, I, It's not like Peyton and Breeze or Mahomes and No, I, the impression being Matt LaFleur is not, the, their relationship is not one that LaFleur, because Aaron trusts him so much, can somehow save the situation, right? Like, that's kind of the insinuation there. Yeah, which, so to me, it just starts, the more and more people you got throwing matches on the fire and gasoline on the fire and just it's going to be hard for the pack if the packers are able to fend this off one they just remain a powerhouse in the nfl and it's pretty impressive because it feels like the avalanche is coming on them yeah it's like it's like the like do you feel like we even got close to hearing the last of the jerry Krause type stories like i feel it's going to be just keep coming no i have the bag also if you're aaron part of the motivation here is you have to force them to do something they don't want to do and you don't have the the power to make them do. 
So part of this is about emotion. Like, let me make it so that they hate me so much they don't want me around anymore, right? To me, that's part of why the Krause thing comes out. Like, well, yeah. who would share that information? People who are tight with Aaron. Would they share that information? Aaron holds grudges like no one else in the history of mankind. So his friends are just going to start sharing his text messages? No. He, know, he can easily go to the phone. Who did I send that to? So, no. Like, it it helps him if that's out. It helps him if the Packers feel like there's a point of no return. He is uh, insulting us. He is insulting me. Like, that helps him. So... Yeah, it's been a crazy offseason for quarterbacks. I know. The Deshaun thing, it's like Russ, Deshaun, Rodgers, we're all for two on guys getting traded to this point. For it, Pro Bowl. it worked for Stafford. You're right. Stafford, but Stafford didn't do any of this stuff. Stafford just. No. Remember, he played the story was the day after the season ended, he went to the owner. The day Dan Campbell was hired, they all met. Like, you could say this. I'm not saying it would, obviously, I think Aaron knows that they would never, if I went, you know, barring peace, <laughs> that that's not going to work because they'll just try to give me peace back. Like, hey, we got a broker peace. Stafford broker peace. approached it, but he dramatically different than the other three. He didn't leak a thing. He approached it professionally, and they did take care of him. Now, they were also in a complete blow-up, so it's not, they're yeah, not they didn't think they had a Super Bowl team. But there is something to be said about, like, Handling your business like the NBA players isn't always going to work, especially in the NFL. Now, Rodgers might tell you, like, one, I don't give a shit what they think about me, which he clearly doesn't, and two, this is my only option. I do think same with, get- same with same with Watson to go nuclear. Yeah, because Russell didn't totally go nuclear. He like leaked a little, and then Pete was like, "Be nicer," and then they were like, "We'll do some stuff," and then everyone's like, "Kumbaya." Part of it was Sierra, like, you know, what was Russ's end game? Was Russ's end game get me out of here, or just will you guys listen to me? Yeah. How much power did he I could, really have? I, I could see a story leaking like, he wanted Carson back. He had identified Gabe Jackson. He had three guys in the draft. They drafted two of the three of them. He's very happy. Russ's big board like sits next to the other big boards. It's like stapled to the wall. Like, Russ, what, what, what scouting system are you using? Oh, I've got this guy as a five-star on the Russ scouting system. I've got him as five Russes. I gave him five Russes. A player big board, besides like their alma mater, is closer to like an owner big board. You know, I watched that Ohio State game, that wide receiver <laughs> suite. Like, yeah, no shit. We saw him too. <laughs> like, are you, are you fucking watching Western Michigan and North Dakota State? This guy DM me. He says he's ready to roll as soon as we want him. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about the Niners for a second because this came up a little bit. And uh, after the draft, there's all, you know, discussions about positions of need and what are the 49ers. Uh, have to have and you know is wide receiver a problem for them is depth at wide receiver a problem for them I was asked about this the other day and I started thinking about it and and diving into it and um, I think the answer to that question is no I think they need to find 13 percent of their production and I get that number because I use percentages here John as I went through a bunch of guys that's Kendrick Bourne's production that's where they need to find and I think people look at it and go, well, what have you really added here? Who's your Is Richie James your slot receiver? You didn't really draft anybody at that position. Where's your production going to come from? And to me, it's going to come from one place, and it's pretty clear cut and simple. It's going to come from George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel being healthy. If those three guys are healthy, they've got enough. That's it. To me, that's the solution. 
if George Kittle's healthy, he's going to catch 26% of your passes. It's like this year it's a little more because it's 17 games, but I'll use 16 games as a measuring stick. That's 85, that's 85 to 90 balls. And you go, ah, it seems like a lot. It does seem like a lot. But that's what Travis Kelsey does. Travis Kelsey last year caught 26% of the passes in Kansas City's offense. That was 105 balls. We're not even talking about that. But healthy George, that's what he gives you. Then I went conservative, John, on Ayuk and said, if you give Ayuk 75 catches in a 16-game season, you'll need more this year, but that's 20% of your receptions. Ayuk had 60 in 12 games last year, so that's conservative. If you give Debo 60 catches, okay, Debo had 57 in 2019, so I think you could argue that's conservative. The three of those guys right there, that's basically 19%, 25%, 20%. That's 65% of your production. Okay, you still got a lot to make up. Yeah, patchwork the rest with running backs and backup receivers. Kyle Juszczyk, he gives you 20 catches. We've seen it the last two years. Uh, Mostert, last two years, he's going to give you 18 catches. I'll give Trey Sermon 15. I'll give Richie James 20. I'll give Ross Dwelly 15. I'll give Wayne Gallman 15. These are just based on what these guys have done historically. Again, these numbers are 16-game numbers. So if we start going into percentages, what you need after I've done all of that, you need about 22% more. Okay, you're looking for about 22 percent more. But I didn't list all the other running backs random here and there and whatever. And again, I think you need more from Ayuk and Debo. But I think there's enough there provided their best. But guess what happened when the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl the last two years? You know what happened? Travis Kelsey played in all the games and Patrick Mahomes yeah. played in all the games. And last year and Tyreek Tyreek played in every game that matter. Let me give you the you percentage. Know, the yeah. Let me give you the percentages last year on Kansas City's offense. Travis Kelsey caught 26% of the passes. Tyreek Hill caught 21% of the passes. Demarcus Robinson caught 11% of the balls. Nicole Hardman caught 10%. Sammy Watkins caught 9%. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire caught 9%. Well, I think the Niners' third best receiver is better than the Chiefs' third best receiver last year. Uh, who Hardman? Yeah, Hardman. Sammy. Yeah, Sammy. Hardman. Sammy was hurt a Robinson, lot. Robinson. Just one of those three guys. Like I think you can get more production from either Ayuk or Debo. I'm calling Kill your number one. I, I think the one good thing is when you have an elite offensive coordinator that those guys, Richie James, uh, use check. If you got a Dwelly that plays a little bit, your running backs, you scheme those guys in the first half. In the second half. And I'm not saying you don't scheme plays for IU, Debo, and Kittle. But like a lot of other guys, Juszczyk included, are a little more scheme dependent. You know, to have like a three or four catch game. They're, they're going to have a couple of plays called for them. Yeah. Which I'd say vivid memories of Kyle Juszczyk's big plays with the Niners clearly are plays for him. Right? Something that they see built into a game plan. Your elite players, and this goes back to Kelsey and Hill. They have an elite offensive coordinator, too. But over the course of a season, over the course of games, some of those aren't just scheme-dependent. It's just Travis Kelsey kicking your ass. So to me, in the second half of games, when the game plan goes out the window a little bit and you're just adjusting to each other, that's where, to me, the health of your top three guys, if Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo can play 90% of the games or whatever, because that's what you need if you're going to make a run, you have elite. Those guys are talented to make plays. And that's where Kyle comes in on the other to get those guys, their percentages to make up the difference. Because we know like Kittle can get you five catches in the fourth quarter against the top team in the league, right? I think Ayuk, I, I saw some clips yesterday, like he's a really talented player. And we just know Debo's good. 
Debo's the key for Debo, stay healthy. Right. Stay healthy. The other guys, like Richie James, gonna need some help, right? I mean, he's just yeah. But when I say help, I mean help to get open, like a play for him. Yeah, well, great or two. He's he's the fourth passing option on most plays. One hundred percent. Same with Dwelly. Same with Usechek. And then you just naturally get some layup throws on NFL standards. I mean, if me or you were back there, and someone was chasing us, it'd be hard. Screen passes, wheel routes to running backs. That when you can run the ball, and that's the thing. Like it, it's crazy how offenses. Everything's very fickle. It's like up, things change, it goes down. Then it, it doesn't feel like this offense is going away. I mean, it's been a staple in the league for... It's not like this is new. I mean, Mike Shanahan's been running this. I mean, versions of this since Elway. Yeah, people have been it's arguing really about whether or not... Uh, you know, his whether or not his running backs were actually great running backs his whole time in Denver. Well, because it had like that five-year stretch of like every year was a new thousand-yard guy. It works in the running scheme specifically. Ultimately, I can scheme runs consistently easier than I can passes because like I can scheme a pass. But if you have Jalen Ramsey and you're just scheming a play for Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Ramsey on Brandon Ayuk, no matter the scheme, like it's going to be hard to get away from that guy or they're double teaming him or whatever. Like good defense can just there's the reason Julio catches so ball so many balls is not because of scheme. It's because physically he's great. He runs good routes. All the top white, Devontae Adams. And that's where the Niners, they've invested a lot there, guy. I mean, Kittle, they didn't quote-unquote invest a lot in originally, but he became a great player, and they've paid him. I think he's, is he technically the highest paid tight end in the league? I don't know. Jonu Smith hasn't passed him, didn't pass him? Oh, yeah. You're, it's just, it's skewed. And the Zennies make him. But the two wide receivers, one's a first-round guy and one's an early second-round guy. Like, they've invested a lot in this in their passing game, yeah. right? Yeah. And now Trey Lance and, and Trent Williams, like, there are... Like, their passing game does need to be better when you factor in their investments. Jimmy, they paid a lot. Now they got Trey Lance. They got Trent Williams. They signed Mack. They signed a bunch of offensive linemen. They have multiple wide receivers, Kittle. And like, they, they have, like, there aren't, they have more than enough. And remember a couple of years ago, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. Like, they, they've, good players have mattered to them in the passing offense. And they've got, at the top end, really good players. Because, like, I think a good example is, like, Devontae or Tyreek Hill or whatever. Those guys in a vacuum are better than Ayuk or Debo, obviously. But you could go like, who's Devontae's number two wide receiver? Really, with Sammy always being injured, who has truly been the Chiefs' number two wide receiver? I'm not talking tight end. I'm talking their number two wide receiver. It's kind of a mismatch of Pringle, of Hardeman. Like, they're solid. But I'd say Debo and and Ayuk in their own, even if they both become top flight, neither guy ever becomes like a top... 10 wide receiver, that's fine. If they're both like big time twos, you got Kittle, that's in a running bang game, that's more than enough. I think we've seen enough to know if they're healthy, they'll produce. Right. Now, that's the big if. But, but, that, but that's my point. The if with them is, are they going to be healthy? Not, is there enough here? Like, there's enough here. Um, by the way, just for, for reference, the percentages I came up with were just based on in 2019, the Niners completed 330 passes. Last year, 370 playing from behind, throwing the ball more, but not as good offensive talent, quarterback play. So I just split the difference. So all the, I just 350. That's where all those percentages are coming from. But in a, basically what you're looking for is another 25 catches. That's what they're looking for based off the numbers I gave you. Well, okay, if I'm conservative on IU, like, do you think 85 is too much for Kittle in a 16-game season, a quarter of your catches? No. You pay him to do that. You're right. And I, I think over 80 for one Adebo or Ayuk is more than realistic. 
It's a it's a it's it's a fair ask. Well, if they're healthy, it's it almost an automatic, right? Are you caught sixty balls in twelve games last year as a rookie with different quarterbacks? Yeah, I think it's a fair ask to get Ayuk between the eighty to ninety mark. Now, and Debo, if he's on the field, it's a harder ask with Debo. He gets hurt a lot. They got they got to find a way to keep those push pass that counts. Those those glutes fresh. Yeah, I know, (laughs) I know. And you know, last year's kind of weird because it's like okay, if Ayuk and Kittle, all these guys are playing together, right? Ayuk's playing with Jordan Reed one day, Dwelly. That'd be something if I was just a stubborn like a Zimmer. You know how the competition committee every year just gets like random things like we want single digit numbers like every you just you can't even think of like the future things. One thing I would ask the push pass no longer a pass. I want that to count for your run numbers. I could not. I, look, here's the thing. I you can keep. I agree. Short answer. It drives me nuts. It's folks. It is not reflective. It does not reflect what a pass is supposed to reflect. Now, if you want to make it still an incomplete pass, that's fine with me. I'm not saying change the rule. I'm not saying make it a fumble. I'm just saying, let's make a little judgment call here, folks. This is not. You know the pass. guy who, and again, you'd have to do a deep dive on the numbers. It would take an analytic guy to. I, I could text actually the Chiefs number, the numbers guy. That I bet the guy that's benefited the most the last three years would be Mahomes. They do that because I mean they got the fastest guys. They just boom and he just takes off. They got like three or four of them. I mean, yep. it's, not, it's not just Hill. So, but it, but like no one says like Mahomes. He's not really cooking the books because you watch him play. You're like, it feels normal. For sure. But he, I would venture to guess the last How many yards? years, 500 yards yeah. just from Something. that little play. <laughs> I mean, Something. they run it every game. Yep. And again, these the numbers we're talking about here, the raw numbers you have to adjust for 17 games. The percentages, that's what's relevant because that's you need George Kittle to catch a quarter of the passes. That's what you need George Kittle to do. Totally. And Ayuk and Debo combined, probably you need more than 40%. But I think part of this is we think they're, they're capable of it. So, um, you know, as we I talk the, about it in the, the offseason, that's... I think that I'm going to end on this. The hardest part about projecting players, it's easy to look back and go, just think of a guy like Kelsey and go, God, he's put these five or six historic years together. But there was a point in time you go, if this guy can just stay healthy and do it, he's got all the talent. Kind of the way we talk about Kittle. But until you do it and just bang off, you don't have to bang off like 10 years, but just like three or four, you go, okay, that's, it's hard to do that. You know, I mean, a lot of guys in the league, for every guy that we call a quote unquote a bust, I think there are a lot of guys that turn out to be just good. You're like, God, we want this guy on our team. You might even extend them. And then they just battle injuries or they just can't stay on the field. I, that, that to me is a decent segment of the NFL population that we just, I mean, we do end up talking a lot about because they're players on all these teams that on the Niners, whoever, who they're playing. But that is a large percentage, just like Debo. Might have an eight, nine-year career, but it's just like, God, he just was never able to shake these hamstring injuries. Yeah, I don't think we're out of the – I don't think we're just sure yet. I know Kittle, I know what he is when he's the, the difference is like Kittle and Kelsey. You know, Kelsey's just more a little like wide receiver. Like, he'll hit the ground. Like, he'll run over little guys, but he's not trying to like – knock people out 24-7. It, George, there's a balance, and it's hard because you don't, like one of his defining characteristics is trucking guys, but it's like, you know, the reason Frank Gore played for 20 years is like, when's the last time Frank tried to run someone over? He just hits the ground. There, there's a balance to staying healthy. That's where Ayuk, I would probably bet on that guy to be pretty consistent. Like his style, speed, getting open, hitting the ground, like he'll jump out of bounds. Well, the thing you like, worry about with a guy like style. him is just like muscle pulls. Right, yeah, hamstring. But again, that's Debo's or... had that. I Debo's had. I worry more about contact injuries with Debo. 
Um, and I love the way he plays. That's, that's what I worry about most with George. Is just I feel just because the Chiefs have been such a powerhouse brand. We you, even if you don't get watch every second of every Chiefs game, you feel like you watch like eighty percent of their season. I don't feel like I ever see Travis Kelsey take like crazy wallop shots. Where I, wouldn't you say it feels like minimum once every other game, George has taken a violent collision, sometimes self-inflicted. Yeah, yeah but uh, he's applying it, but you still feel it. It counts. Like, yeah. yeah, you still feel it. Okay, before we get on to some other stuff, John, let's tell the people about NetSuite. NetSuite.com slash ham. NetSuite.com slash ham. Time to graduate from QuickBooks. Don't run your business on QuickBooks. You're running in quicksand. The bigger your company grows, the faster you sync with outdated software that just can't keep up. Guy, NetSuite helps you automate your key business processes and close your books in a fraction of the time. Everyone's doing it right now. Tax season, trying to find money here, find money there. You get with NetSuite, kick QuickBooks to the side. It's all in one place. Think days, not weeks. In fact, 93% of surveyed organizations increased visibility guy and control over their business since making the switch from QuickBooks to NetSuite. How do you beat that? Oracle, you ever heard of them? Yep. They're doing pretty good. I had a feeling you so, would go uh, there. NetSuite, Right Oracle. now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program only for those ready to graduate from QuickBooks. Head to NetSuite.com slash ham. Special financing for you graduates at NetSuite.com slash ham. That's NetSuite.com Slash him. You don't have time to spend dealing with manual processes, like John said, multiple delays, multiple systems. You got you, you're busy watching YouTube's. Okay, you're scrambling around, listening to podcasts. Time to get on solid ground. Netsuite.com/slash/ham. That's Netsuite.com/slash/ham. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends, and mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game Time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Pulled up the golf, seeing where my guy Bryson is. Uh, you know, uh, DraftKings live update. Uh, I'm in second place now, somehow. You know how? Uh, Kevin Keith Mitchell, John. He's in first place. T1. 
I'm scrolling, guy. I don't see DeChambeau anywhere. Uh, I'll just go to your He's team. I can over. tell you. Bryson's one over through 15. I mean, well, you got Phil, though. Phil's keeping you in the mix. Yeah, we're watching golf, everybody. Mickelson on the tee. <sighs> anyway. All right. Uh, what else? Were you going to PGL or Otani here? Well, I, just because I watched last night, I, I mean, I've seen all of his highlights hitting. I remember his rookie year. Shohei Otani. He, he like, legged out a double. And I remember thinking, like, Jesus Christ, this guy can fly. And then he stands up. You go, well, this guy is not, like, built like each row. This guy's 6'5". We just had the draft. And I, I talked to a buddy the other day. He's like, you know, the thing with the draft pick, and a lot of GMs have been talking over the last week. It's just you want to check every box, right? He's big. He's fast. He produced. He's a good guy. He tested well. Like every every step along the way, I, I can't imagine these guys diving in when he was coming over from Japan just going, oh my God, this guy's 6'5". He throws fucking 98 and he's got nasty breaking stuff. Like how about he's a hitter too? Yeah, he's got legit power. He can fly. I mean, guy, he's a five-tool. He's got to be one of the most talented baseball players I didn't play baseball in high school. You didn't either, did you? Uh, cut after the JV team. Summer I, I mean, ball. I, I would say, I'd say a lot of... Dan Ariola like, came up to me as I was mowing the infield. It's like, let me talk it, to you. It, Fuck. It, it, if you're going to go to play college baseball... Time to become a broadcaster. Or, or get drafted or whatever. I mean, it, Davis High was good all, in my defense. Good it, team. Won, won multiple, uh, you know, section state titles section, or section, section titles. Section the best players, even if they go on to LSU or UCLA or get drafted high, typically pitch and play offense, right? It's probably pretty normal. Every once in a while, you're probably more locked in than college baseball than me, but I feel like I, I find out about the elite guys. You hear about it once in a while. It's a, I mean, Babe Ruth, like who has ever done it? In the, I'm not talking Ricky and Keel. Blowout, but he quit doing one yeah. thing and went to do the other thing. Yeah. I'm saying at the same time, I'm the ace pitcher on a staff and I'm – because we have the best player in baseball, I'm the second best player on our own team, hitting by a mile. I would, it's pretty crazy. Even in college he baseball, it doesn't happen a ton. Would you say it probably happens less these last couple decades uh, than yes. it maybe it happened 20, 30 years yeah. ago? Yeah, it doesn't happen a ton. Um, I, John Lynch, I'm pretty sure, did both. Pitch and play I outfield. I think, yeah. Um, I bet it was pretty prevalent with the elite guys in the 90s, would be my guess, or 80s. It's definitely more specialized now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it takes more time, I think, to be elite. There's just so much more, you know. Uh, well, uh, part of my point is I'm watching him. If I like, if he's like, I have to pick one, I don't even know which one you'd pick. There's always been that he's, debate. It's like what, you know, the problem for him has just been, he hasn't been completely healthy as a pitcher, right? Yeah, Tommy John. And he hasn't yeah. been completely healthy as a hitter. Like, he was the rookie of the year when he. I remember watching a piece about him on sixty minutes before he came over, and it was just watching the clips of him as like a whatever he was at the time, twenty or twenty one, twenty two. It's just like, oh my god! Like this guy's swing is gorgeous. As a pitcher, he's gorgeous. I mean, he's just he's fucking huge. He's incredible. Left hand. I, I, I had the thought so last night. Smooth at everything. I had the thought. I thought last night it's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. Yeah, I, the the question is, can he keep, can he put it all together this year? Because I'm just looking. He's only made before this year. Uh, yeah, he made ten starts in eighteen. He made two starts last year. This year's been really good. He's made four starts this year. 
Um, his nine home runs. And he's, he's hitting. Remarkable. Yeah. He's hitting. He's a remarkable talent. And he's been hitting. Like his sec, he's, he had 40 home runs his first two years in the league. One thought I had last But also, night John, is, here's the other thing. Now he is right in his physical prime. Like he's 26 years old now. So this is the time. He has to be one of the most talented Ameri- you know, athletes to ever play American pro sports. Baseball, basketball, football. Like what he can encompass, right? Do it all. It's, I mean, it's like part of what made Michael Jordan the greatest player ever. He was the best defensive player ever when he wanted to be. Like there's never been a better perimeter defender when he cared. He was unstoppable. Like he really, he could just turn into Scottie Pippen when he wanted to do it. And he did it for a long period of time as he got older. Like in basketball, it's unique because you play offense and defense. In football, like I heard Tom Brady on Howard Stern, he's like, it, they were replaying the interview from last year. Remember when he signed with Tampa and he went on Howard Stern? It's not like they weren't talking about sex, but it was really good just Tom being personal with Howard and him saying, you know, Howard, what makes, because Howard kept asking, like, Tom, you're so famous. Why do you like? How are you so nice to all your teammates? He's like, well, Howard, in this sport, you don't realize. And he's like, I don't realize because I'm not a big sports guy. He's like, I could not play another position in high school. At me right now, 42 year old Tom Brady, I could not go to a good high school team and be a guard. I would get pulled over. I could not be a wide receiver. I can't run. He's like, I can only do one thing. And in football, I would say the difference, like other, like the most important position are quarterback, but like Odell Beckham could play DB. Like there are guys that could play different positions, but you just don't in football. Like Dion, that's why I remember when Dion would get sent on passing routes, it was kind of crazy and they would just like run go routes. Otani's kind of like a Dion. I mean, Dion probably is one of the most remarkable athletes in the history of the world. When you think about it, right? Bet one of the best football players ever was really a good. Yeah. Bo Jackson. Player. I just say Dion did a lot longer than Bo. Yeah, would be my only. No, 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 no. I'm not. Absolutely. Bo's probably yeah, power for pound for pound, most talented. But that this is the breath Otani's in. But he's, but he's like better. I I just think it's more unique being able to pitch and hit. Like that's unhurt. It it does not happen ever at that level. Which they say like the one thing you just even if you're not a huge baseball fan, if you watch the game of baseball, you're like, this looks pretty hard. (laughs) It's just it's it's very difficult. Think about how hard it is he doesn't hit in the games that he pitches. Because you, if you told me you had a guy that does both, you'd be like, great, he can hit when he pitches? Fantastic. It's like, no, actually he doesn't. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's he is well worth the, the trouble. And when I say trouble, I just mean the balancing of trying to figure out how, to, how do we do yeah. both with him. Like, wh- wh- maybe we got to give him a day off. He can't hit the next day, whatever. But... Um, He's still like, I still think there's a question about, can he really do, he hasn't really sustained it yet, but if he can, you, I mean, you're right. It's already one of the most remarkable things. If he can actually sustain it, he had seven strikeouts in five innings. I'd be fascinated. I'd be fascinated to know how big he is in Japan. Obviously he's big, but I mean, like, I would guess like viewed as like extraordinarily Michael massive or? considering that his, the contract that he signed, I don't think he didn't really go out of his way to like. Like make seven teams bid against each other. I think he's making. No, like remember he told, he told the Yankees like no, he told the Yankees no. He told Seattle. Remember he told the Giants no. Like I'm not even meeting with you. He was kind of he's kind of low key. I, I watched. He's him extremely like, low key. I kind of like this guy's vibe. Oh, guys. I love him. Do you know? Well, do you notice like watching the Masters? Hideki kind of has just a low. Like, the, is there some Ichiro? There's just something in the Japanese culture. I think guy, Ichiro's when they a little more, guy, I think Ichiro's a lot more uptight. In terms of just like, 
Ichiro oh, feels yeah. like a Saban. Like Ichiro, I think was I don't know totally. I, Ichiro, I know was basically like built like a machine. You know, yeah. like Ichiro doesn't know Ichiro. I saw this clip. I think it was this spring or maybe Ichiro went to like spring training just to hit uh, with the Mariners. Yeah. First AB. Ichiro hasn't been in like a real batter's box in years. A couple years. Pops yeah. out in his first AB and is like the manager came over. Scott Service was like, hey, man, it's all good. You haven't swung a bat in forever. You get him next time. Like Ichiro was mad at himself. Ichiro, you know, would take a bat to his home. Remember that long story about Ichiro? And I, I think he has a strained relationship with his dad because his dad was so hard on him as a coach. And Ichiro would always <laughs> have his bat in the hotel room practicing his swing. I mean, Ichiro... Yeah, Ichiro. Yeah, I'm not saying these guys. I don't quite. You're know. saying Ichiro is closer to like Earl Woods meets Tiger Woods than Otani's yeah, Ichiro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Kind of chill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ichiro. I think has a very uptight vibe. Otani feels like a lot more just fun, easy. Otani going. feels like a quarterback from Los Angeles, just kind of just there Otani, kicking ass. Even though I'm sure it didn't, Otani feels like a guy that came easy to right. Well, yeah. I mean, fuck you. Watch him. I mean, it's like <laughs> it comes pretty easy. I remember watching Ichiro take BP one time, and it was just ridiculous. Remember the story where he didn't hit home runs in games, but he hit them in batting practice with ease. Oh, he could with ease. He's like, why would I? I'm just peppering the ball all over the field. Uh, by the way, on the YouTube stream, uh, someone posted Babe Ruth's numbers from, uh, you know, like 1916. I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's over 100 years ago. And even Babe stopped pitching. This is a pretty good comment too. Babe Ruth used to be a, used to be a starter. Different era though. Like, oh yeah, we know. Yeah, a little different era. Little different era. The trains. They they were judged, but yeah. a little different era. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other guys, but in any event, all right. Yeah. The PGL. This thing is fascinating. The professional golf league. Oh, Matt. Somebody said Mad Bum would have been like uh, Adam Dunn. Mad bum. Yeah. He, and he hit like yeah, two. He hit, he, he, Mad bum this hit. year. There was a story coming into this year. Like, this is going to be your last chance to hit, we think, National League pitchers. Can Madison Bumgarner get to a 200 average? You know, like before pitchers don't get to hit anymore. I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen what he's uh, what he's been doing this year. But You want you want to get above Billy Mendoza's line? Want to get above. I, I actually, whoever said that line, I heard him interview in the last year or two. Was it George Brett, I think, made the comment? But he wasn't even trying to be a dick. And that's how that comment, that's how that line materialized. Or Brett claimed that it was him, that he had gotcha. used it in jest in an interview. Talking about a guy. Yeah, or when he was really young, he said it. And yeah, the PGL, for those that didn't see, I put it on Instagram just because the story broke earlier this week. And it's been it's been an elephant in the room in golf for a couple of years that a, a little bit like the Champions League, which was basically one European dude and like seven Americans trying to just you know corner the market on all the cash. The Saudis have an unlimited amount of money, and they have some tournaments on the European tour where a lot of Americans go because they give appearance fees. Where in America they do not give appearance fees. So even when Tiger in his prime, the PGA Tour never paid him to show up, which you could argue was kind of dumb. They should have, but they just never wanted to make a set precedent. The one thing about golf that really doesn't parallel basketball or baseball or even soccer, right? I mean, the league somewhat has similarities to soccer, but like Messi gets his salary. So like Messi knows like this year I'm going to make 50 million mm. or even 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 F1 that probably has some parallels with golf. Lewis is getting paid whether he's winning or not, at least that year or those that two year contract, whatever his contract is. 
in golf, they make their big money from sponsorships. But if you have a terrible six month stretch where you just miss a bunch of cuts and never get top 20s, like you don't make a lot of money on the course, right? You have to perform to get paid a little like, like an NFL fifth round, sixth round, seventh round pick. Like you got to perform or you will not get on the team. And the, the Saudis have an unlimited amount of money. They basically want to create uh, the ultra PGA tour cut out, you know, 150 guys and just have the top like 40, 50 and pay the top 10 or 12 to be team captains. A little bit like an F1 team, except instead of two guys, you would have four, yeah. I think. And basically I hire Phil. I give him $40 million. He, we ha- run a draft with like the other 10 captains and we pick a team of 40 and you play all over the world. And I guarantee, not, even the guys on the team, like a Tony Finau's on one of these guys' team. Like, let's say he's on a Ricky Fowler's team. Finau's getting a salary. So he doesn't have to worry. Like, he has a bad week. He's still getting paid. And the, the advertising, right? I mean, they make... Well, I saw somebody said like, the PGA needs its sponsors to step up. It's like, do you think the sponsors are mad that they're about to go, that they would go worldwide with this operation? No. Well, they would just pivot with them. I, I, I was Nike thinking about this last about night. This. No. I, in any other industry, not with sports... The PGL would not only happen, it would have already happened, right? Because in any other business like the one you're in, or I mean, we're in together, any, I mean, you're like the people listening, you would just, if someone offers you 5, 10x, whatever you're doing, why do people sell companies they start from scratch, right? I, you and I don't want to sell this, but if someone said, hey, we'll give you $20 million for the next five years, like, oh, you're going to have the right to have a middle cop. Like, everyone, and that happens all over the world. You read all the time about this See, the Action Network sold for a couple hundred million. Like, people sell their companies all the time. But in sports, like, the one thing it has, and football 30 years ago, right, the USFL with Trump and all those guys, they kind of got a little traction because they did have money. And they signed Reggie White, Jim Kelly, Steve Young. Like they, they Back when you could right compete with the NFL financially. Yeah, and they were on the right path. And they signed guy, the right guys. Herschel Walker, like you just list the names, you're like God, they, they, whoever was doing their scouting was nails. The problem is, it's just the history of sports, and I think it was soccer. You saw it with the freak out, and definitely with golf. These guys already make a lot, so like if if I'm making twenty, thirty million dollars a year, if you're gonna make it more stressful in my life to go from thirty to sixty. It's like, well, I, you know, I don't even care. The, the, and, uh, the travel is an obstacle. Now, Travel's I think the international world. stardom is uh, not that you guys, not that these guys aren't stars internationally already, but yeah, I think it could go to another level, right? Like I was listening to, uh, I heard something, you know, Bob Odenkirk, the actor from Better Call Saul, he plays in Breaking oh, Bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. said he just came out with a new um, I love, action I love movie. I can't wait. Have you seen the, the previews for his action movie called Nobody? But he's serious in the action. Yeah, movie, it's like right? real. Um, but it's going to be hard to take him seriously in that role. He trained for two years to like do all the fighting. And he said, it just comes from this place of like, he had had a home break in like in his home, like when he and his family were home, like 10 years ago. And he always wondered like, should I have done something else? You know, instead of what did he do? What did he do? I, I think he just like tried to, uh, uh, calm the situation down, which ultimately he's like, is the right thing to do. Like, what if I had tried to create some sort of battle? Like, would that have been good for my family? Probably was the guy, not. Do, was the guy pointing a gun at him? He didn't really get into the details. Seemed actually like it was a pretty traumatizing experience for him and his family because he didn't really want to totally get into it. But one of the things he said was that a few years ago, a buddy of his was like in China 
and sent him a photo of t- on television, Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. One of the two was on. And he's like, the thing, it's, it's huge internationally. He's like, well, what is, he started thinking like, well, what is better? What, what movie can be international to capitalize on kind of the stardom from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad? The best international movies are action, like fight movies. John Always. Wick, right? Things it, where yeah. it doesn't matter the dialogue if something's lost in translation. Like those are the best. Why, movies. Swar- why Schwarzenegger became such a worldwide star? J- J- you know, right. Schwarzenegger. Like every think of like just a Jason Statham movie. Like those movies. Yeah. Any John Wick movie. All the uh, the the Borns. The Bor- no, well, uh, what's the all the cars? Uh, Vin Diesel. Uh, Fast and yeah, Furious. Yeah, like twenty of those, right? There's for a reason. He's like, let's make an international. Like, let's let's do one of those. Like, to me, this is there is so much more out there. If you can. There's a reason the NFL tries to play games in London, because like the rest of the world is out there beyond our borders. There's a lot more money to make. Yeah. I mean, soccer's doing pretty well and they're barely in America relative to how long they've been huge in other parts of the country. So I get it. And the other challenge, right, if you're the PGA, unlike, say, the NFL, where your richest guys own the teams and collectively own the league. Not really great for the players because, you know, they can collectively keep your salaries down. It sounds like the Saudis look at this thing the way some owners look at their teams. Steve Ballmer, where it's just I'm doing I am not doing this because I want to get richer. I'm doing this because it's sweet and I'll make money. But not every decision I make is about the bottom line. I just want it to be sweet. Like that's really hard to compete with. It would be sweet, though. I think it would work. What time is would I? That's the only. Like, could I watch it? Would it be like yeah, soccer? I, I just. I I think they would still play a lot in America. I I think the name recognition. I think it would be massive. I just don't. This is where the golf is lucky. They're at the financial point now. I think the reason it's so big financially is why the Saudis want in, right? The reason soccer now is so big, it's such a big billion-dollar business, is why they want to do the Super League. Like, if it wasn't making any money, this wouldn't be an idea, <laughs> right? Right. It's right. like, so part of the idea is, like, you're going to have to get rich guys to pivot. It's where the NFL is safe. Obviously, football works, right? It's why everyone tries to do these off-season leagues. The problem is, you watch, well, it's like, part of what sports are, is it's just a great reality television show, right? And the NFL has become, it's dwarfed the other sports. Baseball and basketball can't hold a fucking candle because we talk about the coaches, that how the GMs are famous. Obviously, the players have always been famous, the owners. We have all these characters. Every team minimum has like five to fifty, depending on how good your team is, 15 characters, including coaches, GMs, owner. Players that are just were interested in their lives. They're just a 24-7, 365 character. And it sucks. Like, I, I bet some of these guys, like, it wears me out. But they get paid for it. They get paid a lot of money for it. Yeah. And th- there's no way you could match the league's money. And the AAF and I think the XFL and all these secondary leagues have realized, like, we're not even going to try to be them. If we could just, you know, uh, kind of draft off 15 20% help eight percent and just make three or four percent we'll be making huge cash and i think that's i give the xfl credit because when corona hit it's like i think they kind of try to get the nfl you know the practice squad guys they kind of they they realized what their niche could be where with soccer and golf they're still trying to like take it'd be like me and you starting a league and trying to get like beckham uh ramsey mahomes like it's a challenge because those guys even if I can offer them more money than they're getting paid because I have the Saudis backing me, I have to convince them to change their life, which is fucking amazing. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, I, Rory McIlroy, they're a lot. Ricky well, are amazing. Did you say this already? Remember when DJ played in Saudi Arabia and then like had to withdraw from, was it? Was it Pebble? Yeah, it was like the Florida tournament. Yeah, it was Pebble. It was Pebble. It was Pebble. Because he was like, it was Pebble. I'm worn out. You know, but uh, I don't know if you, I was watching the, did you watch any of the Kentucky Derby? Or not any of it? Uh, I I, I didn't. You either watch it or you don't. It's two and a half minutes. But yeah, I don't. Well, you can watch. I mean, it's on 15 hours that day. Yeah, yeah. I just meant the race. Bob Baffert won again. It's like his seventh Kentucky Derby. Yeah, shocker. But the horse wins. And apparently the story is like the horse was bought at auction for like a thousand dollars or seven thousand dollars, right? It's like one of the greatest like he struck oil. on a horse ever. So they oh, interviewed like a secretariat. That's cool. And so they interviewed. They're like, uh, uh, the owner uh, Amir Amir Zidane is here, and I'm like, okay, who's Amir Zidane? Right? Like, do a little googling. Oh, he's the head of the Zidane group. Just what I expected. I expected to Google him and not get any information about what the Zidane group does. You do a little more Googling. Oh, it's just, it's basically a Saudi oil company, I think. Like, that's who just won yeah. the Kentucky. Like, they're just all in on. Did he do it because he needed to win the whatever million eight or whatever you get for winning the Kentucky Derby? No, that's not why he did it. Did it because it's sweet. Because <laughs> it's fun. That's why he did it. Right, but when you get when you get to season three of F one, this random new rich guy, super arrogant, he's like a younger Jerry Jones meets Bob Kraft, just bought a team. And you know who his dri- his driver became? His son. Oh yeah, that happens. In, like wait, wait, I think that happens in season one, and then two, and then three. He keeps he like bought, he jumps from one team to another team. Yeah, so it's like well, this Williams. The he was on Williams, the team that only had seven points after season one. So it's just th- these are rich people's playground, yeah. right? It's like some some rich guys like to get into politics when they're bored. Other rich guys like to get into whatever sport they're really passionate about, right? And I, I do think you can become more passionate about something, right? As Absolutely, you, older, you can. Yeah, you get more into it. Absolutely. Like I, I have no, zero interest in horse racing. I bet if I got really rich and in ten years bought a horse and that horse did well, it'd probably be pretty fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it'd be like Jim Rome. Yeah, but how did he get into it? He started making money. He did it, and then I was like, "God, this is sweet." I, I bet he wasn't a huge horse guy when he was twenty-one. Yeah. No, some guys are. Like I, I knew, I had a f- good buddy. I mean, I was my college roommate, Steve Myich, and one of his best friends. Like he was a diehard horse racing fan, and he went. He grew up in Pasadena, knew a, his one of his good friends, a lot of money. They were in the business, so he just got to be around it a little bit. Like got to the Del Mar, and I think. There's nothing like getting an inside look at something when you're young and you just become you become a fan for life. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's 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 hard if you you take a kid and they get to go to a baseball game and that day meet the famous player or go to a football game. You just get to shake. I bet it happens a lot in the South with the colleges. Right. Like if you're in the greater Louisiana area and an LSU player comes and you just it just changes the way you think about it for life. It's just it's as simple as you get invested in the stuff you spend time doing. So if I took somebody who didn't like golf and took them to every PGA event, they might not love golf, but they like it more than they did before we started, I would bet. Because they would just understand like, oh, I know that guy's story. I know that guy's story. I know the deal with him. I know the deal with that person. You spend time doing something, you get invested in it. And uh, I think you start making a lot of money. You, you're you looking for something to like, how, how do I have some fun? I know. What's the point What's of this? money? I can hang out with a bunch of yeah. pro golfers and play the same course. They can come to my house and play. I mean, as Kyle says, none of us are guaranteed to ever make it to a Sunday. So, shit, you might as well. 
They, they don't follow you. The, the Wells Fargo doesn't follow the Hearst. All right, everybody. On that note, thanks for hanging out with us on the stream. Later. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.